Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful.com. FightfulSelect.com. If you're seeing this, you're either a subscriber of Fightful Select or we've made it free for non, non-subscribers, so to speak, to check out. This is our retro review, and we do this a little bit differently than we used to. Right now, we're picking an, an anchor match, so to speak, and we're telling you how we got there, where we went from there, about a certain feud or two certain people specifically, our first edition that was like this was Art Bar and Eddie Guerrero, When Worlds Collide, uh, AAA and I believe 1994, and we all know where Eddie Guerrero went, but things were pretty wild for Art Bar. They were pretty wild for Louis Spicoli around then. Uh, that is definitely worth checking out, and we're, we're putting a bunch in the can. Like This is the first one we're filming, not to pull the curtain back too much, but Warren, how are you liking the new format? I think it's I, I think it's fun. You know what? Even just for us, it's fun to mix up the the format a little bit. It's fun to go rewatch entire pay per views. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. you know, at some point, when you get too comfortable in a pair of shoes, you don't realize that the shoes are full of holes and are taking on water. What? What? I have several shoes, many shoes, none of which have holes in them. Well, see, I'm I'm a I, I'm much more. Uh, I stretch out the life cycle of my shoes. Let's okay. put it that way. Okay, fair. Now, if you guys do want to check out the archives, we have a ton of retro reviews. And not just retro reviews, but I have dark match commentary, too. I, If you click that tab, there are a lot of dark matches that happened before WWE tapings featuring Brock Lesnar, Mr. Perfect, AJ Styles, John Cena, Bray Wyatt, Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, Shelton Benjamin, tons of people that I've done alternate commentary on. 
But our retro reviews, uh, we've got so much stuff. Survivor Series 94, Backlash 99, Valentine's Day Massacre, uh, Royal Rumble 88, SummerSlam 2000, uh, all the way up to like Money in the Bank 2011, the first Nitro, and uh, WrestleMania 3, WrestleMania 20. There's just an insane amount of stuff out there that you guys can check out. So I hope you all do. Uh, we, don't, we forget, did, don't forget the main event. Don't forget the main event. AWA AW- Super Clash 3. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. It is not a good one. But if you all want more uh, of that style of retro review, we do have one free on YouTube, TNA Unbreakable, which has one what of, I think, is the greatest matches ever. But today we're here to talk about Shawn Michaels and Triple H specifically, Warren. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, one of the more legendary partnerships in the history uh, of wrestling, a well documented friendship that's had its ups and downs. Uh, but uh, both kayfabe and shoot, right? Uh, it's been it's been a hell of a it's been a hell of a ride for both guys that have had a very at least up to a certain point very parallel their their careers are very very parallel to one another so. It, yeah, it's a good one to talk about, especially with the match that we're anchoring this around. It's a oh, lot of fun. boy. A real hidden treasure is this match. It was the last Raw of 2003. And I honestly, I consider 2003, 2004, 2005, even that, that decade towards the end, real rough period mm-hmm. for WWE, especially in the ring. This match was not that. This match was the start of a really great feud which event eventually led into he who will not be named being involved as well, but we will name him a little bit later. But this really kicked that off. This really started that, and I thought was was an appropriate swerve, so to speak. This was a fairly a random world championship match on Monday Night Raw, which we don't see anymore, Warren. And not to this, not to this extent. Uh, and, and especially, especially not in a in a context where you know you're closing out the year. This was the last, it was the last raw of the year. Wanted to make it feel big, feel special. Um, no, it's not something we see all that much. Mostly reserved for 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 pay per views. We don't see the big belts get defended all that much on TV anymore. Much to uh, maybe what some folks might might feel, but. Uh, um, but yeah, no, this, this was, it was a perfect circumstance to close out the year. It was a, a great way to cap it off and get you excited for the new year. Definitely. It, it, it had all the elements to work. So in the immediate, uh, things that led up to this, there, I didn't remember an extended Shawn Michaels, Triple H program. Like I know that Michaels had teamed with Rob Van Dam and they, they faced evolution the week before in, in a long match, but really the three or four months that preceded that, Shawn Michaels was not having matches with Triple H, at least. Triple H had been feuding with Goldberg and with Kane and with all these other people. Now, throughout 2003, he definitely was. Uh, the The Evolution team was trying to gain traction. Uh, Ric Flair would team with uh, Triple H here and there. But Shawn Michaels was not necessarily embroiled in some big feud. This was a match they could just go back to, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Right out of the gate, this pace is unlike what you saw in 2003. Really, by then, you could tell they were in, let's slow it down mode, Warren. Absolutely, and they they were clearly... They were clearly taking their time. Like, they were ready to go for a long match, and it was, like you said, 
it, the pace was very, very deliberate. And it they wanted to tell – on one hand, they wanted to tell a story and they wanted to hit some really great spots, which they did. Everything clicked here. And what was fascinating here in this match, HBK at this point, he was 38 during yeah. this match. Uh, Triple H was 34. But even at that time, you know, we were we were still – very much embroiled in that, oh, once you pass 35, you're over the hill in wrestling, you know? Yeah. So you you have Shawn Michaels, 38 years old, who had retired not all that long ago either. Spent four and a half years away. Came back? And at 38 years old is delivering this level the, this level of a performance? Hell, you could even argue that his, his return, the eight-year span that he had after coming back was probably better than his original run yeah. when he was healthy and being a jackass. I think so, too. Um, the thing that I liked about this was Shawn Michaels knew all of Triple H's tricks, and they really played that up, like mm-hmm. kicking the rope into Triple H's balls behind the ref's back. That's such a good move. And it, it shows you that if you do that as a babyface, it can get over as a babyface thing because people see you as being smarter than the ref, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a hilarious springboard crossbody to the to the outside in which Shawn Michaels slams into the barricade as well. It was wild because it's like he it's almost like he thought I didn't know I could do that quite as well. And but, uh, even before that, he did uh, he did a, a skin the cat hurricane Rana as well on on Triple H. Yes. And like I said, he's back from retirement. His back gave out on him. Right, that was the thing. And here he is doing this stuff. It's it boggles the imagination, man. So <laughs> the pace in the crowd again was not just different from what we saw in wrestling, but way different from Triple H. This was in the middle of the Triple H reign of terror, and I do mean reign of terror. Raw was pretty hard to watch a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. You would always start with the twenty minute "I am the game" uh, promo. You would always see that. He hadn't quite grasped the the concept of, hey, let's not bore them for heat. That, that's a thing that I hate. Oh, well, we'll bore them for heat. It's cute in one indie match when you slap on a headlock instead of hitting a clothesline or something. And you're like, ha I got you stupid fans. But it felt like every promo was slapping on a headlock instead of a clothesline. <laughs> every single week. Every single week we were getting the Alexa Bliss. Hey, I'm going to throw you into the ropes, but I'm going to stop and slap you. Only this was far less exciting than a slap horn. Yeah. Every week the same shit happened. I was so over it. So when this match happened, I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Because I don't remember having high hopes for it. I was just like, neat. Well, I kind of remember, you know, hanging around the message boards back then uh, and, you know, people reacting to this match. Triple H was not universally loved back then. He was an acquired taste. And when I mean an acquired taste, I think you had to be a pretty much a WWE fanboy to just gobble up everything that he was doing. So a lot of us on the message boards were looking at, came back after this match in our, you know, in, in, in all our cynicism. We looked at this and was like, oh, sure, Triple H is going to turn it up because he's wrestling his best friend. Sure, of course. Couldn't he do that to everyone else he's been he, he's been working with or burying or whatever? Um, there, I'm, I'm still convinced to this day that there was a part of that, that a part of why this match was was alive 
was directly due to the fact that he was wrestling uh, ostensibly, uh, ostensibly his best friend um, because they've had a career doing that. They've been they've had a career uh, boosting each other up both uh, uh, in the ring and behind the scenes. It just it 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 made sense, yeah. and I think he wanted to help Sean. Uh, he he wanted the second run of Sean to be truly his redemption run. To to take and it, from Gamer and it was, but and I think he wanted to help kick it off properly like that. Yeah, and the fact that they had kicked it off properly in, at the SummerSlam match like, that they had uh, like a year and a half match. before. Yeah, yeah, but so. Still. One of my favorite parts of this is HBK applying the figure four with Ric Flair at ringside, and Ric Flair mm. loses it. Let's let's talk about how great Ric Flair was. Amazing, he was so good. Um, when just when Sean uh, early on in the match, I think it's after he does the skin the cat hurricane rana, and and he he does the Flair strut, and Flair just loses it ringside, <laughs> right? He just and he jumps up on the apron and he wants to to he wants to get involved and Sean com, comes and slugs him. He was so good in the match, and not he wasn't overboard. It was at very choice, precise moments where he where he just added so much to everything by his reactions. Um, and you know, knowing everything we know about Ric Flair now, you know that when uh, when he when when Sean would ape his stuff. He was literally really into it, you know, and he yes. didn't mind going overboard and overselling because he was he was into it. It was fantastic. Look, I love the addition of Flair. Look back at when Jay Lethal, about seven years later, emulated Ric Flair, how much he loved it. He couldn't help himself. No. And it became one of the greatest moments in DNA history. It became one of the most replayed moments. It was so entertaining. So when this happens, oh, Ric Flair adds so much to it. He was such an underrated manager, or an underrated second, I think, would be a better a better way to call it. Although yep. he was a little bit of both here. Eric Bischoff added a lot to this match, too. And, mm-hmm. man, this was a good point. I mean, I this he, he came out, and he was full heel, heel back then. He comes out to ref the match because the ref gets knocked out of things. And Shawn Michaels hits a super kick, and we see the double pin. Now, honestly, when this happened, I'm probably, I think I'm 18, 17 years old. I'm losing it in my living room because I thought Triple H was just going to beat Shawn Michaels clean. That's what I thought was going to happen. That's what we all thought. I was like, oh, all right. They're doing this on a throwaway Raw. Even back then, I was like, uh, WWE's kind of lazy. They'll get started on the Royal Rumble program the next week or whatever. Triple H will come out and say, oh, I beat him. Uh, uh, who Who's going to... Uh, and then Bull Buchanan will come out and face him at the Rumble or something. <laughs> because, let's be real, Warren, there are a lot of Royal Rumbles that have those kinds of world title matches, including that one that saw Brock Lesnar defend against Bob Holly. Mm, that's right. So, I mean, there, there were lots of stuff like that where nobody that had a chance would compete for it because all the good guys were in the Rumble match. Yep. But the double pin happens, and Bischoff is, first off, great on Bischoff to get in position for both shoulders. That was underrated. The pin happens, and everybody's like, oh my god, Sean won. But it's very clear that Sean did not win. Well, wasn't the angle, wasn't the angle on, it was hard cam, right? Yes. When, when, When it was pit, so... So, and I don't know how deliberate it was, but it feels deliberate because because you really had the impression you you 
you really could, unless you were really paying attention, you saw Sean fall on top yes. of Triple H and get the pin, and everyone just went bananas. It's when you saw the replay that you're like, oh, no, kind of thing. And, and I thought that was a really nice touch. It was. And this was used, this specific scene was used in other angles in in years that followed. It was mm-hmm. used in video games that followed. They, they THQ worked it in. But one of my favorite little things is that Eric Bischoff references the Davy Boy Smith feud with Shawn Michaels. And a lot of people might not have got it, but he's like, you know better than anybody when both shoulders are down on both opponents, mm-hmm. the champion retains. And he says that because that happened to Shawn Michaels one time. When he hit a German suplex on Davy Boy Smith, both of their shoulders were down. And Davy Boy's music hits, but then it was revealed, oh, no, 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 Davy Boy didn't win the title. Sean keeps the title. I love that just little callback. Because, see, the thing is, not everybody that watched that then, or even watch it now, were like, oh, he's referencing Davy Boy Smith and Shawn Michaels. It was something that you, it rewarded you for watching the show as far back as seven years before. This happened in spring of 96. Mm-hmm. This happened. And they're talking about it damn near in 2004. That made me so happy. When I saw that, I, I had forgotten that he didn't even mention that. But when I saw him say that, I was like, damn, that's good shit. I like that. That's what I want today. I mm-hmm. want to be told that what I watched in the past matters. And not yep. to date this, but we are starting to see a little bit more of that. And at this point, Bischoff wasn't really healing it up that much. It was after this that he really turned it up, Warren. Yeah, it's what once uh, once the title, uh, like he had passed the title on to Triple H, saying, "Well, you know, it was more like a well, what are you going to do kind of situations. Like these are the rules." But uh, but then Michael goes out. Michaels goes after Bischoff afterwards, uh, and 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 that's when Bischoff just. Uh, just decides to, as Sean is walking uh, back up the ramp, he just plain out says that he's going to fire him. Yes. That he's done with the company. And I, you know, in the circumstance, because the crowd was so hot for this and uh, and everyone was so deflated at the decision, just putting this over, just adding a little extra something here to a little insult to injury a little extra little stab a little twist you you could feel the audience was like no 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 this is like the worst possible way to finish the year this is terrible because it it, it had been a great match the angle was good everything clicked here a lot of this is overshadowed by what happens right after stone cold steve austin was back he had been effectively gone for mm-hmm. a long time he's the new sheriff of raw and he immediately rehires Shawn Michaels and gives him a rematch. Mm-hmm. So that would happen, and it would launch a feud that we're, we will talk about momentarily. But what preceded this was a full history in its own. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have never went back to Shawn Michaels and Triple H, and maybe it would have been okay, Warren. Just because they had a full feud that reached its climax, it reached its peak, and all that. They had a full history that went on before this. Back in 1995, Triple H picked WWF over WCW. 
And it was pretty clear he was a prospect back then. WCW wanted to hang on to him. But if you listen to the way that <clears throat> that Shawn Michaels and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash tell it, is that they picked him and were like, hey, you're riding with us. Triple H <laughs> suggests it might have been because he didn't do drugs or drink. <laughs> so he <laughs> got to... He needed, they needed a designated driver, basically. They needed a designated driver. And <laughs> the thing is, in 95, they kept their distance from him on that screen. There was not Diesel and Triple H. There was not a, like one, two, three kid and Triple H. There wasn't even, I don't even think he was wrestling Aldo Montoya at that point. He was in the midst of a, of a, of a push, of a big push throughout 95, Warren. And mm-hmm. it was very clear that they saw big things in him because this wasn't like a, a two-month little thing. This undefeated streak, it felt like it went on for like six months. It went on for a while and, you know, they gave him – they gave him the – well, he was saddled with the gimmick. He was saddled, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he, did, he did the most he, – he did the best with what he had at the same time, the Connecticut blue blood. Uh, but, uh, no, they, they clearly did have things lined up for him. Right. And the legend goes, this is how, this is how far they were willing to go with this. The legend goes, he was slated to win King of the ring 1996 and he was supposed to, from there was supposed to move on to a feud with Shawn Michaels. But then a little something happened in Madison square garden, a certain curtain call we're all we're all uh, we're all the click members hugged in the ring. Well, Sean was too much of an important prospect. I mean, oh, just we'll, in case we'll, we'll get there. The we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. Okay. To, to correct things, he actually did wrestle Aldo Montoya seven times in '95 <laughs> and beat him on live events. And I bring him up because just incredible. Who was Aldo Montoya was known as running with those guys fairly often, but it was really early '96, early '96 when. Michaels, the click, Triple H, their connection. Like you started to see that reflected in Triple H's booking specifically. Now, I had mentioned that Triple H hadn't wrestled Razor Ramon, Diesel, or Shawn Michaels on TV because the reality of it is, if he did, you're losing at that point because those were three of the biggest stars in the company. So they kept him far away from them. Around Rumble 96... Triple H had a, a run where he went over 40 minutes. I don't think he even eliminated anybody, but he interacted with Michaels a little bit there. And immediately following that, he started to wrestle Shawn Michaels on live events. Like right after the Royal Rumble, he was wrestling Shawn Michaels at MSG and Baltimore all over the place. And then they, that led to like a dark match between the two. It went really, really well. They did a couple different dark matches, including one for the title. And if you want to see Shawn Michaels' influence felt, Warren, look no further than uh, an April 29, 1996 television taping where it's Shawn Michaels versus Triple H on Monday Night Raw, the month of WrestleMania, and they're going 20 minutes on TV in 96. That's crazy. In 96! Yeah, that, that's crazy. Well, I mean... That's it. Sean. Sean was. Sean was the golden boy at this point, right? And he was. Uh, he was everything. He was everything the fans wanted. Uh, he was clearly. Uh, he, everything was working well with Vince. So I guess, yeah, at this point, he could pretty much do what he wants. But twenty minutes in nineteen ninety six, leading into WrestleMania, your oh, champion. That, it was after WrestleMania. Oh, it was but, after WrestleMania. So this is when Sean was world champion. Yeah, I mean and, that's. 
as you mentioned, Triple H is not a, he's not a top level guy just yet. And as you were mentioning, uh, the curtain call happens. And for those that might be unfamiliar, because quite frankly, there's some people that were not alive then. Mm -hmm. At the end of uh, the, the, the last appearance of Diesel and Razor Ramon on a house show in MSG, you have heels and faces, Shawn Michaels, Triple H there as well, all embracing to end the show and raising each other's hand. They say that they were given permission to do it, but then when they came back through the curtain, it didn't land so well. It got a lot of heat with a lot of people. Shawn Michaels was world champion, so he wasn't going to get heat. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, they had hit the bricks. They were in WCW now. They couldn't get the heat. Sean Waltman wasn't there, and he wasn't long for that WWF world anyway, so mm -hmm. he couldn't get the heat. Instead, it landed on Triple H, who was scheduled to win that year's King of the Ring. And boy, a happier of accidents could have never happened, because Triple H still ended up being everything that he was going to be, but Stone Cold Steve Austin got to be more than what we could have imagined as well. Yeah. So I think that one worked out for the best for all involved, actually. And the thing is, had the internet been what it was back then, I wonder if Triple H would have gained a groundswell of support, Warren. Because people would have heard, oh, he was slated to win the, the King of the Ring, but he's being punished for this. Oh, for sure. For sure. If it had been, absolutely, it would have been the exact same thing. And, and this is before... Like you, like you aptly named it. This was way before the Triple H reign of terror. So uh, he would have had nothing but goodwill on his side. Could you imagine uh, the? Uh, but that's the thing, man. He ate it for the past for the next what eighteen months, two years. It was, it was about a yeah, roughly about fifteen months. I mean, he had a, a, some runs in there, like an Intercontinental Title run. So he he was doing all right. He wouldn't wrestle Shawn Michaels again until October of 96. He wrestled him again in uh, January of 97. Both dark matches, though. So they kept them distant from one another. They were not around each other. They did not wrestle with each other. They did not wrestle. Like, they, they just didn't interact. That was, mm -hmm. that was that. Until this amazing USA versus Canada thing is going on. And Shawn Michaels doesn't fit with the Patriots. At times, he didn't fit with Steve Austin. I mean, there was a whole storyline that he didn't fit with Steve Austin. And Triple H, if he would have said, hey, Hunter Hearst Helmsley's going to start doing stuff with Shawn Michaels, he'd be like, what? And even I was like, what? Because it was like the coolest kid at school going up to somebody who doesn't talk to anybody because Triple H didn't. He had never been in any extended partnership with any males on the show except for Mr. Perfect, who he beat the shit out of. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they're buddies, and they're doing this stuff, and I'm like, what What? What am I watching? Is this Beavis and Butthead come to life? Like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? And D-Generation X was formed, and it feels like it was a lot longer than three months between their formation and the Montreal Screwjob. But that's what was going on. They were wrestling house shows against the Legion of Doom. They were teaming up. It was easier on Shawn Michaels. It's wild to think, Warren, that we are... Right at this point, we are about five months away from Shawn Michaels' career perhaps being over. Mm -hmm. It's it's unbelievable. Like uh, no, yeah, absolutely no. It's 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 crazy because because things were so it was just so hot. The DX thing was just so incredibly hot, 
And I, I, I think one of the reasons why it worked out so much um, is – well, I think there's two reasons. I think the first reason it worked so well is you pointed it out. I think it just came out of left field so much. There was a bit of – just a bit of a curtain peek. Just like why sudden why are these two guys suddenly like best buddies and just hanging out with each other? It kind of let you it, it, it kind of felt without being very explicit that we were being let uh, uh, a little peek behind the curtain because then you realize that these guys are actual real friends despite never wrestling, never interacting with each other. These guys are real friends. And then all of a sudden, Triple H starts stops doing the curtsies and coming out with puffy shirts. And then all of a sudden, he's, well, you know, he's, he's wearing a, a leather. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kangol had backwards, yeah. but that's a that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast. So um, Triple H is widely credited with kind of coming up with the Montreal Screwjob idea. He's like given a lot of credit for being like, let's just do this. But I mean, then again, whatever episode of whatever documentary you watch is going to credit another person. But that mm-hmm. happened. Montreal Screwjob happened. DX is as over as they've ever been. Again, they're wrestling people like the Legion of Doom, Steve Austin, and Undertaker all over the place. It's 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 really a top level push. Do you remember the December eleventh, ninety seven? I may have been, may have been a taping, but the famed European title match between Shawn Michaels and Triple H that went one minute and seventeen seconds. Yeah, that's the one where they basically lay down for each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Slaughter thought he had them. Mm-hmm. He thought he had them. It's like Shawn Michaels, you're going to defend that European title that you haven't been defending, which was weird, by the way. Weird that they gave it to him in Europe. Weird that they did that here. But <laughs> Shawn Michaels is like, okay, and they tease some dissension. Then all of a sudden, Shawn Michaels just lays down in the ring, and Triple H hits the ropes about seventy times. Mm-hmm. It was. The funniest damn thing I had seen in wrestling at that point. And they had heat with me at that point. But me and my cousin watched it, and we were like, this shit is so funny. As he's hitting the ropes, and then he falls onto Shawn Michaels. That was just typical DX. It was them being so smart. Mm -hmm. It was them being so smart. And they rolled into WrestleMania, getting more and more heat. They adopted Mike Tyson. You mm-hmm. thought it couldn't get any bigger than this. You thought DX couldn't get any bigger than this. And for them, it couldn't because Shawn Michaels was out of action at WrestleMania. And really wasn't involved with this iteration of DX that much 
outside of some feuding with the corporation when he got brought back after his back injury. Mm. And you know, he had some jealousy. He was upset that Triple H threw him out of DX. But you would also see some some back and forth. Like, on the first episode of SmackDown, which we have covered, Shawn Michaels served as a special guest referee, super kicked The Rock right in the face. Yep. And got Triple H the win. So, I mean, there was... And, and he would referee a lot of Triple H matches during this period. There was an episode of Raw where China faced The Undertaker and Triple H. He refed that. Uh, he did one on Raw against Mankind that had a double pin. There was one where Shane McMahon had uh, the one I had just mentioned with The Rock. Then there was Triple H versus The Rock in the Iron Man match at Judgment Day. There was a lot of this stuff, but Shawn Michaels was going through some personal stuff at this point, Warren. Yeah, and it was uh, it was putting a, a strain on on his friendship with uh, with Hunter as well. Um, he um, Sean was supposed to be involved in WrestleMania X uh, X Seven, right? Yes. Uh, and uh, but he he like that was part of his that that was that was at the time where he was at his own rock bottom. And he showed up at a meeting that Triple H had put together so that they could discuss things. And, you know, the legend goes that uh, that uh, HBK was so out of it he couldn't even speak. Like he couldn't say a word. A lot of uh, people that, imply that he couldn't have ever wrestled back in that point. He did wrestle. A lot of people don't realize this. He wrestled a match for his home promotion, TWA. He was running a wrestling school. Right. And he ran like a 15, 20-minute street fight match. Huh. And well, – after, and th- that was around a little bit before this. So Triple H and the team in WWE were like, you got to go get help, buddy. You got to go get help. Yeah. And, in- and 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 Triple H and HBK, again, as the story goes, they, they didn't speak for over a year. That's how mad Triple H was because he was using he was using his position to, to give something back to Sean, essentially, so that. Hopefully, it would motivate Sean to get back into the business and clean himself up. Uh, it, uh, apparently, it took Kevin Nash to put them both on a call at some point so that they could hash it out. Because the you know, there's a chance they could that they might not even be talking again today. And it, it's a good thing they did. Now, mm-hmm. there were periods Shawn Michaels had joined the NWO in WWE at one point and had been recruiting Triple H. And then there was an episode of Raw, and it was a great angle where. They were reforming D-Generation X. And dare I say, one of the one of my favorite pedigrees of all time was one that looked completely wonky. Where Triple H turns on Shawn Michaels and he pedigrees him, but he loses his grip in midair. And he's like almost completely horizontal. But he lets go and he shoves Shawn Michaels' face into the mat, Warren. Here, here was my gauge of if something really hit. If it ended up in the next video game, it ended up being all right. And that one did. It did. Okay. <laughs> I loved it. It was like, what? <laughs> he lost his grip completely. Oh, poor, poor Shawn Michaels. It was amazing. And after, after Triple H turned on him there, Shawn Michaels got attacked in this parking lot. And Triple H was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know I did all this to him, but I'm going to find out who did mm-hmm. this to him. And eventually, Shawn Michaels reveals a CC footage. It was Triple H all along. Much like the mm-hmm. Edge-Randy Orton angle that we're seeing uh, in 2020 unfold, Triple H is like, I had to keep you from doing this to yourself. 
But man, I tell you what, that late 2002 run where Shawn Michaels faced Triple H at SummerSlam in an unsanctioned match. 27 minutes. 28 minutes. Did you wonder if he had it before that match, Warren? Oh, we all did. Yeah. I mean, we all did. He was... He took a he took a nasty bump off of a casket that essentially took him out. No one expected anything good to come out of this match, but my God! And Sean, he wrestled in jeans. He did it in jeans. <laughs> his his pant choices throughout that year were questionable, at le- to say the least. <laughs> well, I mean, you you could. I think that's part of his trademark, though. Yes. <laughs> there's there's these lots of lots of spans of time where you're wondering what are you wearing, Sean? Why? Why am I seeing so much of you right now, Shawn Michaels? Thank you. As as that ended, we were like, all right, is Shawn Michaels going to be back? Is he not going to be back? Well, he wasn't for several months. Yep. And then they said, you know what? We got this new match. It's called the Elimination Chamber, and Shawn Michaels is going to be in it. Uh, Warren, they, I, at that point, I did not have pay-per-view access. I could not do that. I made sure that I got to watch that live on pay-per-view. Yeah, absolutely. It became... That's that's the cool thing. I don't know how deliberate it was for Sean to take a break after SummerSlam and moving forward. I really don't. I don't know how deliberate it was or not, but it was smart. It was smart because it was at a time where uh, the top guys were starting to wear thin, right? Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a little less top-heavy as it had been uh, just four or five years previous to that. So – you know, bringing back Sean for big matches to try and reignite uh, interest, I think it was a good move because the elimin- like you said, Elimination Chamber that year was uh, was uh, top billing. It was you had to watch it because Sean was there. He had pulled out an extraordinary match a couple, uh, at SummerSlam. They're like, well, what else has he got in the tank at this point, right? And they did go back to that well multiple times. He won the Elimination Chamber. The next month, they did Three Stages of Hell, another great one. And they kept going back to it throughout pay-per-view. They went to Ric Flair, Triple H, and Sean Ma- or, and Jericho at Backlash 03 against Nash, Michaels, uh-huh. and Booker T. They had them both in the Elimination Chamber and SummerSlam. You would see on TV occasionally, like, Booker and Sean would team against Jericho and Triple H. Like, you would see those those matches, Goldberg, Michaels, and Maven of all people, against Evolution, uh, Maven's long-standing issues. But then we reached our anchor point, which was that match. And to me, that's the match that made me say, okay, I'm not done watching these guys. I'm not mm-hmm. done with these guys. They followed our anchor point up with a last-man-standing match at the Royal Rumble that I was like, all right, Triple H is winning this one. Then we go into the Mania program. It was a draw. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I'm like, all right, well, that is the Mania program. But then Chris Benoit walks out into the middle of them. He was a SmackDown guy, had just won the Royal Rumble. And he was like, ah, no, sorry, Sean. I got this one. Until Shawn Michaels attacked him and signed his name on the contract, too, which was a great build. They had a couple years in a row of great builds. And although I'll never watch a Chris Benoit match that I don't have to again, they went back to back Mania and Backlash and had unbelievable yep. matches. Unbelievable matches that would would be more widely considered one of the greatest or greatest WrestleMania matches had all that stuff not happened. Mm-hmm. 
and they just kept going back to it, Warren. Shawn Michaels and Triple H specifically. Triple H and Shawn Michaels face each other at Bad Blood, Hell in a Cell. They face each other at Taboo Tuesday because Shawn Michaels, on a torn meniscus, got voted in to this match, which kind of springboarded a Shawn Michaels-Edge feud months later. Mm -hmm. So they went to this throughout 2004. They faced each other on like four or five pay-per-views, and Shawn wasn't on that many of them because he... He wasn't working like full, full, full time, and he was hurt for quite a bit of that year. When you saw that, was there a point where you were like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm over this. The, I was about to point that out. Here's the, you know, here's the difference. Here's the difference as uh, in regards to what we're seeing a lot of in WWE V's, uh, you know, over the past few. When you when you put two guys who can work really well and work really well with each other and you let them actually put on really entertaining matches, you let them have proper builds, it's hard to get sick of a of a match setup. Yeah. I wasn't tired of it because every time that Triple H and Shawn Michaels got into the ring at that period in time, they at least always tried to do something new. And like you said, the outcomes weren't always predictable. They weren't always, uh, the, you, you know, like you said, you know, the, um, uh, the, um, you, you know, the, the you, 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 you thought you figured out the Mania program. Said, oh no, this is a draw. Oh, we're going into to WrestleMania. Oh no, then Chris Benoit pops up. Sprinkling a little unexpected uh, throughout all of this makes things really interesting. And there weren't, they didn't have to re refer to cheesy gimmicks or spraying people with stuff or you know just doing doing goofy gimmicks to try and get things over he just let the wrestlers be the wrestlers ultimately and that's really what paid off um i will say though that um throughout all of this 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 feud as far as online reputations go did not help triple h at all uh, in regards to people's public public persona among smart smart fans anyway because like i like i mentioned earlier we we were wise to how things were working so seeing triple h go that extra mile with sean and then seeing him sort of scale back for other guys yeah just it it just soured the whole the the whole pint of milk at this point where you're like oh clearly Clearly, he's in it for himself and his buddies, and that was always an underlying sentiment, and it's hard not to point to these moments in time as proof of that, despite the fact that uh, despite the fact that the matches were incredible, it's when he was done and feuding with other people that you were like, well, well, you know, you could be trying a little harder here as well. Jean-Paul. Well, that was effectively it for them feuding with each other. They had like a boot camp match. They had a, a match on TV in 06, and they, they did some televised stuff in tag matches against each other, but that was really it. That mm -hmm. was really it, and uh, since about 2006, pretty consistently they've been buddies on TV. Mm -hmm. And for these two guys... Making it 14 years on TV as friends, that's pretty special. Now, like I said, they had some tag matches that, that would pop up here and there. And 
we we would see like Kurt Angle and Triple H against Batista and Michaels and Orton Michaels against Flair and Triple H. It was enough to me to make you just not want to see them wrestle that much anymore. But we wouldn't have to worry about that, Warren. There were a couple matches specifically in March of 2006. And that led to Shawn Michaels and Triple H having to band together. Why'd they have to band together, Warren? Well, they had to fight off that just unstoppable. Is it Quintet? Quintet? Quartet? I can't remember if there were four or five of them. The Spirit Squad... Mm-hmm. Made up of Johnny Jeter, who was once heralded as a future star, Kenny Dykstra, who was still in great shape, Mike Mondo, who's still running around, Dolph Ziggler, and Nick Mitchell from Tough Enough. I could have thought of a much more dramatic team for them to perhaps had to have band together against, but you got it was because they were backed by the McMahons and they were beating the Spirit Squad often. They had this SummerSlam match against Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon, and it culminated in a, in a Hell in a Cell match that Big Show is also in. But the, the, the real story is in the humor of their segments. This was much more sophomoric than their last efforts. Yeah. And let me tell you, it only gets downhill from there. Uh, the, the benefit of this is, though, Warren, I collect DVDs, and they had like a pop-up book DVD where you pull the tab... And the characters do this every time they, they do the suck it. Pretty pretty impressive. What did you think of this 2006 DX run? First of all, I hope you get that signed. Second of all, uh, the the you know the feud was ultimately with the McMahons, right? And the the Spirit Squad were essentially the Mean Street Posse. They were the they were the new Mean Street Posse, where you just send out send out the losers to the you send out the you send out the thugs to do the job, essentially. Um, yeah, I mean, there was there was no question as to whether DX was going to come out on top of this. I mean, this this was what bugged me the most was just how rehashed the whole thing was because it was essentially the authority versus an irreverent, rebellious uh, underling. You know, we yeah. had seen it. They, you know, they were trying to. They were trying to do uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon again, but in another environment with um, with a little more humor, with a little more lightness to it, a little more comedy. And, you know, even at that time, I'm going to tell you, you know, they were in their 40s at this point. Seeing them going around in their 40s doing crotch chops and there was... Without a real threat, like Vince McMahon and Shane and McMahon... Were beyond their expiration dates as threats too. When I saw them face rated RKO, I was like, "Okay, this is who it should be. It should mm-hmm. be these guys." Rated RKO. They're two guys that I look at and I believe and were fairly young in their mm-hmm. main event runs too. You can understand why they would be frustrated. And it that was that was fine. That was good. And you, you come back about a year later. They're doing the DX thing again. After, I mean, Triple H had been sidelined for a very long time. I -hmm. did like that throughout the period where Triple H was out, Shawn Michaels still used DX music and wore DX colors. It was like him being loyal to his friend. But 
they they did come back and they did more DX stuff. And, and you know, and you know what didn't quite work either. There were too much. They, they were just. It was too much of a babyface thing. Like mm-hmm. you can argue DX were heels, but we were in that really cool time where heels could be cheered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and here they were just flat out babyfaces, and we were missing that that edge. Could you reproduce that edge that they once had? Probably not. If they, if they that, could that's... have literally reproduced Edge and put like two of him on the other side, maybe their feuds would have been good. But the Spirit Squad, Kenny, yeah. uh, no offense, no offense, Nitro and Miz, it ain't working for me at that point. It's not doing it for me. No. Uh, DX did take a break in like early 2008 because Shawn Michaels was doing the Ric Flair thing. Triple H was going after the WDB Championship and Randy Orton. But they kept going back to it. And DX is one of those things where at this point, I have no interest in it like anymore. Mm-hmm. I was okay with the late 2009, it was a farewell tour that we didn't know was a farewell tour. But looking back on it, I went to a January 2010 SmackDown, and I'm very glad that I went to that SmackDown. I feel very fortunate that I got to see them perform together on that episode of SmackDown, uh, even though I think it was a dark match or something. I feel lucky that I got to see that. They won the Tag Team Championships, they feuded with a mishmash team of Chris Jericho and Big Show. And it was just one of those things that's like, when I see DX or the NWO or the Shield reform, I want there to be a re... I want there to be something like so unrecoverable that yeah. that they that they gotta do. But instead, they're, they're working Hornswoggle into this and no, no offense to Hornswoggle. I think he's a phenomenal performer and his book rules. But this this was just not it. But I'm glad they got their tag title run at least. Warren. Yeah, absolutely. That that that's 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 uh, a silver lining here. Um, yeah, no, we're we're at a point where it just it it just doesn't click anymore. Um, we're 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 okay with DX not coming back, despite the fact that they did come back. Yes, but uh, they but, did. But 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 we're really okay with it. Uh, the um. It, you know, sometimes there's just lightning in a bottle and it just works for a period. And that's when that's when you get at some point where you move on. You have guys like Chris Jericho, who you feel never really, um, n- never really decided, n- never felt that he always had to go back to those moments. He had this these visions where I have to move on. We have to move forward, which is why he's credited as to being as great as he is today, because he always had that vision of reinvention. Um, always going back to a well isn't always your best alternative might be good for, uh, might be good for a quick reaction, but in, but in the long, even the medium term, it's never quite a sound investment. And I do like that this almost came full circle in that Shawn Michaels own greed ended up effectively ending DX he turned on Triple H to eliminate him from the Royal Rumble so he could face The Undertaker. A week later on Raw, they lose the tag team titles to Big Show and The Miz. And uh, and they, they couldn't win their rematch a month later. And there was never a DX again until, until. By the way, Shawn Michaels had retired in this point. Triple H had retired by this point. Technically. Uh, the Undertaker had retired by this point. 
and Kane yeah. should have retired by this point. <laughs> and uh, by the way, Shawn Michaels was involved in what a lot of people thought was maybe Triple H and Undertaker's last match where they bid adieu to the Attitude Era, if you can believe this. In 2012, they said goodbye to the Attitude Era. Yeah. Ah! Ah! <laughs> But we get Crown Jewel 2018, and it sucked. Shawn Michaels got brought out of his eight-year retirement, almost nine-year, for like, Saudi money, which, you know, whatever. I don't – whatever about that. Against Kane the Undertaker, and Kane the Undertaker were both far removed from their physical peak. I think this was a real indication to Undertaker that he needed to get in shape if he was going to wrestle. Triple H, unfortunately, tore his peck in this match. Shawn Michaels was the best thing about this match. Guess what? Mr. WrestleMania became Mr. Crown Jewel that evening. Yeah. He, he carried the entire weight of this match. And boy, was there a lot to carry. Uh -huh. it, was not, it just was not good. Sure, the, Triple H injuring himself, unfortunate accident. But... Glenn Jacobs was not an unfortunate accident. He was booked on purpose in this match. And like you said, Undertaker, how long had Undertaker not wrestled before this? I mean, he he was not in the condition that was required from here. Shawn Michaels, for, for all the bad that this match was, Shawn Michaels did everything in his power to make this watchable, to keep uh to keep a flow going. He was the MVP. Of, of that entire card, actually. It was it was remarkable. At this point, I can tell you I am done seeing DX reunions. It's cool to see them pop up every once in a while with, with X-Pac and Road Dogg and Billy Gunn. Well, I ain't going to do Billy Gunn anymore. He's in AEW. But they got inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, which made me very happy. And I think it was Raw 1000 or something where they had teased, oh, it's just going to be Michaels and Triple H, and they brought out the rest of them. And that made yep. me happy. But other than that, I feel like I've seen 10 DX reunions, and I'm done with it. Uh, the only one that I've enjoyed was like was like some integration with, uh, I think it was the, the Sting-Triple H match. I thought that was kind of cute, and it was just a nostalgia fest. And I was okay yep. with that. But, um, yeah, it, it was – I'm done with it. I'm done with it, and I'm glad that Shawn Michaels is helping people at the Performance Center and Triple H doing what he's doing because I think, it, I think it's good for wrestling, as was their feud for the most part, Warren. I agree. I agree. I think it's, a, I think it's an appropriate bow to put on their career that they're, uh, that they're still joined at the hip, you know, if mm -hmm. only for fandom's sake. It's, it's cool to see. And um, and that they are working hard on developing a next uh, a new crop of talent for for WWE, working hard at the performance center, getting people ready to perform. Sure, I mean, it 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 all makes sense, and it's good to see. Here's the thing: it's two guys who have lived in the business and who eat, breathe, and sleep the business. And when you see both Triple H, and we've seen Triple H cry when he talks about NXT, but Sean as well, he talks about it with his heart on his sleeve. He does interview segments on Raw. What is he wearing? He's wearing an, an NXT cap or an NXT t-shirt. These guys are in it for the right reasons at this point. They want to help. They want to help create and groom a new breed of WWE stars, uh, and they believe in what they do. And I think that's a great way to cap off uh, a, fa 
a, a fascinating career for both guys. Hope you all enjoyed this stroll down memory lane. Subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. We have dozens of these, some covering full pay-per-views, some covering episodes of TV, lots of neat stuff, and we got a lot more coming your way. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, if you haven't watched the match that we chose as our anchor point, it's the last Raw of 2003. It rules. It's one of my favorite Raw matches ever. Shawn Michaels was, in my opinion, the best performer in WWE consistently in that period of time because you had so many people coming and going. Hope you guys liked it. Check out Warren Hayes at YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. And on Twitter... Check us out at Fightful.com. Until next time, we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.